I've got an emergency. And I've got trouble at mill. There, welcome to Date Fight. It's the podcast where we take things that occurred on this day in history and we pitch them against each other. Yes, we do. He's Jake Yap. I'm Nat Tapley, and together we have dug through the earth of time to find the blood diamonds of history to cut them with the whatever cutting tool you use of entertainment and present them in the crown jewels of this podcast to our guest this week. It's Helen Lederer. How are you, Helen? Oh, I'm so well, and just looking forward to some facts. I really mm. need fun. <laughs> well, you've come to. Um, a place. It's a place where you can... <laughs> uh, for my first fact, I'm going to take us to the 30th of June, 1892, and the Homestead Strike. Um, do you know, Have you heard of the Homestead Strike? No. no. The Match Girl Strike, I can throw in. Yeah. That's different. A different different continent, but yes. So this is in America, in Pittsburgh, or just outside Pittsburgh. Uh, Carnegie, we tend to remember for Carnegie Hall and all his philanthropic uh, work. Carnegie was no game for... Gave to a great number of charities. What we don't tend to remember is how he amassed all the money that he could then give away, which he did by owning steel mills, um, including uh, the Homestead Mill just outside Pittsburgh. Uh, in the 1880s, Carnegie Steel had started uh, working for the US Navy, and so they'd introduced 24-hour days and all sorts of new machinery. Uh, they were making more money than they ever had before. At the Homestead factory, there had been a strike uh, ten years earlier, um, in 1882, to stop yellow dog contracts being used. And yellow dog contracts were contracts that guaranteed that you would never join a union, uh, and the union won that strike. And in 1889, their collective bargaining agreement had come to an end, and they went on strike again, and they Mm. won that strike. And so in 1892, when the collective bargaining agreement ended again, Mr Carnegie didn't want the union to win this time, so he told Mr Frick, who was the head of the factory, to break the union um, by ramping up production in the six months before the end of the contract so that they would have enough uh, steel products put by so that they could close the plant down for as long as they wanted. Um, He then did that and he went to the union with the wage offer uh, for the next three years of a 22% decrease in wages, (gasps) which the union said no to. Um, On the 29th of June... Uh, Mr. Frick locked all of the workers out of the factory. Um, he gave himself an extra day to do it. He was, wasn't meant to, because the agreement didn't come to an end till the 30th, he wasn't meant to lock them out till the 30th, but he did it on the 29th to give him time to build sniper towers and <gasps> wow. water cannons to fire boiling liquid. Oh my word. Uh, at which point the union met, said obviously it was illegal to lock them out for the end of the contract. They then set up a picket line seven miles wide around the uh, factory and also started patrolling the river uh, which led up to the factory in boats to stop anything going in or out. Um, at which point Mr Frick hired the Pinkertons to break this strike. The Pinkertons turned up in specially designed barges, essentially fortified barges, with holes in which they could shoot out of, and it led to a gun battle in which two of the strikers were killed and 11 wounded in the first half an hour. Um, Then it led to a sort of standoff with people firing backwards and forwards. 5,000 people turned up from the local town to help the strikers. Um, 
and a train lo- in the previous strike they'd seen off a t- uh, one train load of strike breakers so this time uh, Mr Carnegie wasn't taking any chances and sent hundreds of Pinkertons uh, they tried to land on the banks of the river in their specially designed barges but the strikers kept getting in the way they tried to burn the barges by setting uh, filling boats with uh, flammable things and oil and setting fire to them and pushing them across towards the barges although unfortunately they went out before they hit the barges they then tried to I'd say pour oil on troubled waters, but that's sort of the opposite of what they did by pouring actual oil on the actual water and trying to set fire to that. Um, The 5,000 people kept the Pinkertons penned down. Eventually, the Pinkertons had to surrender after they had seven dead, 11 wounded, and 324 of them were captured. The first time they tried to surrender, um, they just shot through the white flag they put up and ignored them. But then they marched them through the town and people booed and jeered at them. At which point the state militia was called in by the governor um, who tried to get um, non-union workers into the factory. Um, The strikers realised they couldn't fight off thousands of state militia, so they went back into negotiations. Um, Alexander Berkman, who was a friend of Emma Goldman, who we talked about the other day, decided enough was enough. He was an anarchist and he would shoot and stab Mr Frick, uh, which (gasps) he did. Mr Frick survived, however, uh, but this led to public opinion turning against the strikers and the strike collapsed a few days later. But that strike, the Homestead strike, began uh, on the 30th of June, 1892. And if you want to hire the Pinkertons to break a strike, you can still do it. Uh, They are now part of Securitas and you can phone them to keep your property industrial factories safe any time you have to deal with workers who you want to reduce the wages of by 22 percent wow oh my god uh, that's huge mm. if i may say yeah. uh, what happened to the man the anarchist who berkman. Uh, failed at killing the bad man alexander berkman was let me just check i think he was arrested but i don't think he was killed so he, he didn't no, he survive the cause so he there, was, did he let me just find out exactly. Uh, well, actually, I don't need to know that much. I'm just going to take that long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was tried. Uh, he, he was caught. He was tried. He went to prison. Uh, but then he went out and he lived until 1932. No, wow. no, 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 sorry. So he lived uh, another 40 years after this. Wow. He was 22 at the time. <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah. I'm kind of speechless. That mm. that was a really long. Sorry, it was long. Oh no, no. <clears throat> I mean, detailed, um, many layered um, chronology there of mm. who did what, where, and mm. the town supported. So, did they lose support that after the assassination attempt? They tend, yes, they did. Um, it is unfortunate. Yes. Um, People had been turning up from Pittsburgh. They, they, there was a regular uh, group of people who came to watch from the opposite banks because the firefight went on for so many days. They just decided to watch. Yeah. I suppose there wasn't TV, so going and watching no. a, a mini war happening was about as much violence. Fun as you can have. Yeah, violence can be very diverting, can't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Jake, what wow. have you got today? I just want to say I thought that was a fantastic account of a very little known but important story. It was. Very yeah. clearly and cogently presented. Mm. Forensic in its analysis. <laughs> Where's this going? No, literally. No, I, I literally. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just embarrassed to do my one. Okay. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge. I don't want you to feel like I'm just going to go and do my one, thinking, yeah, this stands a chance. <laughs> okay. Because that was brilliant. Um, all right, I've got the 30th of June, 1937, mm. and it's a world first. It's the world's first emergency telephone number. Oh. And it's introduced Ooh. in London, and it's 999. 
and uh, it was introduced following a fire uh, in a house uh, in which several people died and a neighbour had tried to phone the fire brigade mm. but was held in a queue by the Welbeck Telephone Exchange um, oh. saying, uh, you know, it, because it was all manually done. What was the music that was playing while she was waiting to report this? <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, I don't know if you've ever... Uh, Search for the Hero Inside HSBC. Yourself by M People. <laughs> Yes, that's the one, isn't it? Uh, oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always nice to get like uh, seven out of eight bars on a loop. Uh, that's always yeah. my favourite. Nice touch. Anyway, so uh, this this person wrote to the Times and said, and there was a government inquiry. And so they launched this scheme and they were they were said, only phone this if there's an ongoing emergency. And I quote, if... For instance, the man in the flat next to yours is murdering his wife. <laughs> or you've seen a heavily that's masked not an emergency, cat- that's just yeah. to be expected. <laughs> or you've seen a heavily masked cat burglar peering round the stack pipe of the local <laughs> bank building, presumably with heavy pizzicato music. I don't know. Um the first arrest happened one week later uh, for a burglary. And uh, after the Second World War, it was extended to major cities and then the whole of the UK in 1976. So really? You, like, in my lifetime, yeah. you couldn't dial 999 in huge swathes of the country. Wow. Extraordinary, really. Um, and the reason it's 999, because I always thought that mm. doesn't make any sense. You know, with like a rotary dial, yeah. nine takes it's ages to go one. all the way around. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but that that was on purpose because you'd get, otherwise you'd get false alerts because literally sometimes like wires like telegraph wires would touch in high wind mm. and <gasps> if it was one like one 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 which would make sense that you'd get a false kind of alert uh, uh for an emergency call so that's why it was 999 um and why did they decide was, three digits was the ideal as opposed to two i guess it's, again it's just one of those yeah what to take longer so memorable it's mm. like sos and yeah uh, all the rest of it and uh, the other thing was that nine was right next to zero, mm-hmm. which meant that uh, if you were in heavy smoke or if you were visually impaired or whatever, it was kind of easy to find the nine. Mm-hmm. So that's why they did oh, yeah. that. Oh, and that wow. happened for the first time in 1937, but it's really not as good as that. <laughs> well, <laughs> damn it! We contemplate. I'm going to take us to the birthdays and the death days. Happy birthday to Man Mountain Dean, the American wrestler who stood for the Georgia House of Representatives in the late 1930s, but gave up before the election because he said politics was too corrupt. And I think if a man who comes from professional re- wrestling thinks your business is too corrupt, maybe you should have a look at yourself. Happy birthday to Harry Blackstone Jr., who over, uh, the magician who over the course of his career said he had taken 80,000 rabbits out of his hat which is what happens when you leave two rabbits alone in your hat five minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) happy birthday to uh, world heavyweight champion and noted ear gourmand Mike Tyson who is probably the most famous person to have eaten an ear Uh, Alan Davis is going to have to up his game Happy birthday to <laughs> Princess Henrietta of England, the daughter of Charles I, um, who was, suffered from intermittent pain in her side. Um, led to, in 1670, she only drank milk for the whole year. One afternoon, while drinking iced chicory water, she had a pain in her side, said, Ah, what a pain, what shall I do? And promptly died, claiming that she had been poisoned. Um, the, death, the, med, the doctor said she died of heated bile. I don't think that's true. Happy death day to Barry Norman, who took a key song of the civil rights movement and made it the cue for everyone to see what was on ITV instead. (laughs) 
Happy Death Day to Viktor Patsayev, Vladislav Volkov, and Georgi Dobro- Dobrovovsky, who were three cosmonauts who died after having spent 23 days on Salyut 1. Um, when they re-entered, the re-entry was normal, back to the Earth, but when the capsule was opened, they were all found to be dead, as a leaky valve had vented all of the air in the capsule into space. Uh, Patsayev had bruises on his knuckles, so they assume he was trying to reseal the valve um, when he lost consciousness. Uh, that's Victor Patsayev, Plotislav Volkov, and Georgi Dobrovsky, who died today in 1973. Some more lolzy deaths for you. Yeah. Oh, God, it's very sobering, isn't it? Yeah, sobering. I should have finished with a Mike Tyson ear-eating gag, really, if I thought it yeah, through. Yeah, I would have, I would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was um, the music for um, Barry Norman again? It was... Which is um, something, something, I can't remember the exact title. What does it take to be free? By... Okay, it's not It's not coming back to me. It's, I love that programme, the leather chair and the music. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was free. That's I, maybe, dun, dun, so I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. Okay, lovely. Uh, we could, if, yeah. I, if we play a bit, we'll have to take it out. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you it's time... that's all we can use. Do you <laughs> care? Time... Do you want to know what my yes. Um, oh, yes, please. Very much, Lisa, okay. so, please. I'll show it. Um, yes, that's the format. Let's pretend yeah. we're sticking to it. Good. Um, why change now? Um, <laughs> so, um, and what I felt, actually, Jake, you said it because that description of the workers' revolt um, and the cruelty and the fact that it was very long um, has to win because I think that well, yeah. you read out about four or five pages, didn't you? <laughs> it content? was longer than it looked when I had it written. It was longer yeah. than I thought, yeah. A lot of yeah, detail. Really I like the yeah. detail. Uh, I wanted to know what happened at the end. Um, and uh, capitalism won, as always. Cap- yes, uh, but it's a salutary tale and it brings back memories, of course, of the miners' strike mm-hmm. and the miners' benefits, or, you know, all those things. Yeah. All those things where we had to do a little bit of five-minute stand-up and... Um, <laughs> Beyond's best, you'll cut that bit out. So um, I, <laughs> I award the trophy to the Thank that you. sanitary tale. Thank you very much. Capitalism. It's two one for the week now, Jake. How are you feeling about this week? I'm feeling all right, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What I feel is Not that personal. justice was served. I'm yeah. always happy to lose if it's to something worthy. Gallant. <laughs> Well, to see if I can maintain the word. That was the most peevish thing I've ever said in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do come back tomorrow, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and special thanks to our guest judge, Helen Ledra. Thank Uh, you. Join us for more tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.